Welcome to Something to Digest with me, Dr. Raymond Miss. We developed these podcasts to reach out to other healthcare professionals as well as patients in our community. Each podcast will contain bite-sized pieces of information and wisdom I have learned over the last 25 years as a board-certified gastroenterologist practicing in New England. I recently began practicing my specialty at the Villages in Central Florida. My goal is to make a difference in at least one person's life every day to live the happiest and healthiest life they can, one day at a time. I hope that individual is you. So as a gastroenterologist, I'd like to discuss with you some of the tests that we order. And this by no means is an all-inclusive summary of each of the tests, but just an educational um, uh, point uh, or summary uh, that may make you feel more familiar with tests that your doctors will order. Now, before I go into specific testing, I have to emphasize to you the importance of the physical examination. Doctors today are being forced to spend more time on their computers and less time touching their patients. And I'll give you an example, which is why I was motivated to perform this brief lecture as a podcast. Several years ago, while I was in Rhode Island, um, an elderly woman was sent to me for a second opinion evaluation. And she was having abdominal pain and issues. And I always remember uh, talking to her, getting a history. And then I had to sit up on the exam table and put my hand on her neck looking for lymph nodes. And almost immediately, the patient's husband, uh, he responded to me, he says, oh my gosh, Dr. Miss, my wife has never been examined like this before. Now that stopped me in my tracks and I felt sad for a moment. Uh, and then uh, I realized that I had only started what I was trained to do. And I looked back at her husband and I says, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what was the experience that your wife had with her previous gastroenterologist? And he said, well, doctor, uh, the physician came into the room and asked my wife some questions and then looked at both of us and said, okay, we're gonna order an MRI. Uh, we're then gonna do a uh, endoscopy and a colonoscopy. Well, uh, the tests that were ordered by this physician were non-diagnostic. And after I finished examining the patient, I found that she had a hernia around her belly button. Now, if this woman would have been examined at that first visit, maybe some of those other costly tests would have been unnecessary. So I have to emphasize to you the importance of getting a good history and a good physical examination. This is what we were trained to do. Now, if my exam and history is inconclusive, uh, then let's talk about some tests. So the first one I'd like to talk, and we're gonna work our way uh, down, so to speak. So the first is called an EGD, an esophageal gastroduodenoscopy. And just like the letters stand for, this is a narrow instrument about the size of my pinky finger, and it is in diameter, that is, and it's approximately two and a half to three feet in length, period. We're able to go down uh, an individual's mouth when they're asleep, go down the swallowing tube, which is the esophagus, through the stomach, and then into the duodenum. 
Now this gives us beautiful color pictures uh, and allows us to biopsy any pathology. We use this test when we look for ulcers, cancer, causes of bleeding that was obscure, or even when a patient has difficulty swallowing, looking for tumors and even infections. So an EGD is an endoscopy that looks at the upper GI tract or foregut. It is done while a patient sleep uh, or is asleep and uh, may take on an average 10 to 15 minutes once the patient is asleep if we do our job correctly. The next will be an enteroscope. Now an enteroscope um, is a longer version of the endoscope, uh, which is the EGD scope. And this scope is approximately six feet long and it allows us to look into the small intestine uh, much further than the EGD scope. And we'll, we'll do that when we're looking for uh, pathology such as Crohn's disease or looking for uh, a site of bleeding beyond the upper GI tract. It's only six feet long roughly and at best, we'll get through a third or half of the small intestine. Now, just a little side note, by the way, the small intestine is over 25 feet long and our large intestine is only five feet long, roughly. Now, they get their names because of the diameter. The small intestine um, is only one inch in diameter and the large intestine is two inches in diameter. So just a little point there, but the enteroscopy is a longer scope that can reach the upper third of that small intestine. Um, and there is something called a spiral or balloon enteroscopy. And this is a specialized scope test at teaching hospitals that allows the clinician with different techniques to get down further in the small intestine. I'll laugh sometimes with our patients. Geez, I wish the local fire department would loan us one of their fire hoses um, because our instruments aren't really that long and probably will be quite uncomfortable. Now that fire hose uh, statement was a joke, by the way. So that's the enteroscope. Let's talk about the colonoscope. And many of us are undergoing screening colonoscopies at the age of 50. Uh, this is a scope that will cover the entire large intestine, which is approximately five feet long. Uh, we use this uh, procedure primarily to screen for colon cancer and detect colon polyps. With our technique, uh, we're able to take out uh, polyps um, and uh, considerable size of polyps. I, I heard once somebody say, geez, as long as it's smaller than a small dog's head, we're pretty good about getting it out. Um, and I've kind of held on to that saying, but we can actually detect polyps uh, and remove them, it's quite sensitive. It's also a safe procedure. There's less than a three in a thousand chance that the scope can cause bleeding, infection, or perforation. On the endoscope that I talked about just a few minutes ago, that has a uh, risk or complication rate of approximately one in a thousand uh, patients, but that's also very rare and usually in those who have cancer or active bleeding. So the colonoscope, um, takes a little bit of work, the endoscope, um, all the patient has to do is show up with an empty stomach. They're allowed to have some sips of water 
that morning of the procedure. Uh, as of colonoscope, uh, there's a cleansing process, which will be a separate podcast. Uh, the cleaner that a patient is, the better it is for the patient and clinician for detecting disease uh, and caring for that individual. So uh, that's a colonoscope. So let's talk about an uh, anoscopy or anoscope. Now that's usually um, performed by our colleagues in the emergency department or our surgeons when somebody has diseases of the anus, such as bleeding, uh, that would include fissures, hemorrhoids, cancers, uh, and even infectious issues. Uh, this will probably be performed when patients have obscure bleeding from the rectum, and that would be bright red blood. So that's an anoscope, usually done in the urgent care settings. A sigmoidoscopy, that sigmoidoscopy, is basically a shortened version of the colonoscope. Um, and it'll be hard to kind of um, outline this, but essentially one's colon starts in the right lower side of the abdomen. It will work its way up to the right rib cage, then shoots over to the left rib cage, and then down uh, towards the rectum. And the lower portion of this left lower side is called the sigmoid colon. So a sigmoidoscope um, is a limited scope test that goes basically through the lower one third of the bowel. It could probably reach uh, two feet in, in good hands. And it is a procedure that is becoming a little obsolete, but we will utilize it for following up of lesions in the lower colon, uh, detecting um, persistent or recurrent symptoms of diverticulitis if a CAT scan is not helpful, uh, and even looking at diseases of the rectum. So that's a sigmoidoscope. Let's now talk about a test called an ERCP, and that's an endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatogram, ERCP. Now this is a special scope test that goes from above down the patient's mouth just beyond the stomach where there's a little pinpoint opening uh, that is where the liver, gallbladder, and pancreas tubes drain into and aid in digestion. Now we have the ability, or some doctors have the ability, with a side viewing instrument, almost like a periscope, to go down when a patient is asleep and has an empty stomach, find that pinpoint opening, and we could put catheters and get information uh, if there are diseases in patients of gallstones, the pancreas, or patients who might be jaundiced. So an ERCP is a test that can get a better look and even uh, intervene with diseases of the gallbladder area, the liver area, and the pancreas. And that's done while, while one sleep. It's a little bit more risky than an endoscope and there may be a five or 10% chance, and maybe as high as 20% chance in different literature that a patient may get complicating pancreatitis. Um, but uh, this procedure, this scope, has actually allowed doctors today uh, to intervene in diseases of the liver and pancreas and gallbladder without undergoing major surgery. So that is an ERCP scope. Now some, uh, 
outpatient studies that can be done, you may hear of a pH probe or an esophageal manometry study and impedance plethysmography. Now, just briefly, a pH probe does exactly what it says. It measures the acid and base in one's esophagus to determine how much reflux or acid reflux one has and if it's associated with disease. And impedance plethysmography not only tells us if there is acid, but more importantly, what type of bolus or contents are coming up from the patient's stomach, um, how often, and it's not just acid in the stomach. It might also be bile and bile acid. So plethysmography can give us a little bit more of a better picture of flow uh, down the esophagus and back up. Now, the final test I'd like to discuss is called an esophageal manometry study. Now, esophageal manometry study is done in specialized centers where a technician and nurse will place a wire and a probe down a patient's nose. And it basically measures how the esophagus works when you swallow. Now, this is very important because some people have difficulty swallowing or disorders of motility of the esophagus. And there are others that also need to have like a hiatal hernia repair or surgery for acid reflux. And it's essential to understand how the esophagus works in these individuals to determine if and what operation might be indicated. So manometry is where they place a probe uh, down a patient's nose into the swallowing tube. And once in proper position, the patient will sip on water or even eat some applesauce and the probe is slowly removed. And as the patient swallows, uh, we can actually measure how the esophagus works uh, to determine if it was or would be okay for a patient to undergo surgical repair of a hiatal hernia or surgery for acid reflux. So these are, or is a brief but not inclusive study of common tests that us gastroenterologists will order for our patients to determine uh, and diagnose disease and determine treatment for wellness. Have a great day and keep smiling. This is Dr. Raymond Miss, and thank you for listening to Something to Digest. As you can tell, medicine is both an art and a science, and I thank you for your time. If you have a question or a comment, please email us at drmisspodcast at gmail.com. That's D-R-M-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Or visit us on Facebook at Something to Digest. And that is www.facebook.com forward slash Something to Digest. May you be blessed with health and happiness on your journeys, and please keep smiling.